Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Okay, guys. We got a little, a few minutes here. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Open up to Psalm 147. I'm just going to be in two verses this morning in Psalm 147. Um, and uh, want to just break these two down. Let me tell you this. Um, when, um, when you're reading the Bible and you want to go deep, it's, it's quality, not quantity. Okay? So you don't have to read tons and tons of Bible. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to take you deep and deep into even a few words in the Bible. You have to delve deep and dig deep. And so today, there's two verses in the scriptures here. Let me just read them for you. It's Psalm 147, verse 2 and verse 3. It says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Um, I was reading this in just personal time with Jesus uh, last week, and uh, I almost preached on this last week, but this is, this, uh, I think this is the Sunday morning to, to release this. I want you to hear this morning that God wants to build you up. Uh, his covenant people, he's obsessed with building them up, not tear- tearing them down, right? Um, and that he, he wants to gather people. Maybe some of you are wearing the label outcast. Nobody wants me. Everybody hates me. Listen, you're not an outcast to God, and you may have been ostracized by some, but God wants to gather you in this morning. Hello, right? And then, but here's the part I really want to delve into is that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I think that we've, we have, uh, as we've tried to disciple people in the church, what we've done is we've tried to give them a lot of information in hopes that they will grow spiritually. But I want to tell you this morning that as God is building his church and he, as he is gathering, what he does before he gives uh, classroom information is he heals people's hearts and souls. Okay? Now, I know that that is not what we've been taught in the church uh, very much, and that's why I just want to delve into these two verses with you this morning. I love to stir it up and make you make it sound like maybe it's a little unbiblical at first, so you listen up. I guarantee you that it is biblical, um, and I think some, uh, our our paradigm for discipleship is basically class 101, class 201, class 301, class 401, and then you can get baptized. Then you can become a member. And discipleship is way cooler than that, all right? Uh, It means that God's putting you back together on the inside, and we're going to get to this. So I want to tell you a story, though, that where I I just saw this just three weeks ago where I realized that God... I need you to disciple me more because I'm seeing old pain in my heart. And old pain, it's like a a warning light on the dashboard of of your car. If the engine light comes on, you better get to Gene Latta Ford fast, even if you drive a Toyota. They'll handle things better, right? Steve, I don't know where you are, man, but that's, I I hope I, you know, I hope that worked. Um, But uh, you, you better get it into the shop and have somebody look at it. And pain is that. Pain isn't meant to be stuffed and ignored. Uh, pain is meant to be exposed and healed, okay? So, so here I was, I was on a walk. I've been trying to walk almost every single morning, and I walk what I thought was five miles. <laughs> I've been telling everybody I go on a five-mile walk. And then I, Phil Payne uh, asked me, 
how long does it take you to do that? And I said, 45 minutes. He goes, you are not walking five miles. I was like, I'm so thankful for you. You know, you're a details guy. I, five miles in 45 minutes sounded good, but I, I don't know how long I'm walking uh, or how far I'm walking. I know that it is for 45 minutes, though. And so, so here's what happened on a walk. I was almost home. I'm on, I'm on West Middle Street. I'm walking along, and a lady on a bike is riding this way, and she's staring at me weird, all right? She stops right in front of me, and I look at her and kind of give the weird wave, hey, um, and she goes, Chris, <laughs> where is Chris, right, I'm, I'm looking for Chris all around me, she's like, no, no, Chris, Chris, she goes, I haven't seen you in years, how are you doing, <laughs> I was like, is she mistaking me for Chris Hemsworth again, you know, is that, I get it all the time, I get it all the time, uh, please don't make me remove my shirt, uh, you know, that would, uh, not again, I said. But no, I said, I said, hey, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I may look like a Chris. My name's not Chris. My name's Nathan. And she just drives off on her bike. So I started walking. You know what? Do you know that the enemy loves to take moments where we're un, uh, unsuspecting? And he loves to shoot fiery darts into our brains. Let me tell you a fiery dart. I was not expecting it. Calling me Chris is not offensive to me. But the enemy used that like a highway into my heart. And here's what it said. I wrote this down to make sure that I'm going to get this right. But here's what it says. I can't find where I, I, I even wrote it. Oh, no, here it is. It said, Here what, here's what the enemy dart said in my mind. Chris must be ugly and awkward. And so suddenly I'm walking. And I'm like, she, she mistook me for an ugly guy that's awkward. Now, she wasn't meaning that, but that's what the enemy told me. And then the rest of my 15-mile walk, <laughs> I'm fighting with a lie. And interestingly enough, I'm fighting to, I know it's, I would have passed on a test that that is not true. Chris is not ugly and awkward. awkward. It's probably Chris Hemsworth. Nathan, you're an attractive man, right? I know that's true. I... I, I I said that for my wife, not for you men. You know, I'm so, but uh, I know that. But I was, I was tempted to believe it. And so I'm walking along and the Holy Spirit is ministering to me. And here's what he's ministering to me. He's ministering identity to me. And I, start, I had to get theological with this lie and I had, to, I had to preach the gospel to myself. And through faith, I am not ugly and awkward. And if I am, Jesus doesn't even care. What God cares about is he sees me as the righteousness of his son, and that is who I am to him. I am actually a prince walking around in Hanover. Hey. And so that I, had to, I had to wrestle that through, but it took me a while to get me there. Guys, there are broken places in each one of us, and what they are is they're not, they're not to be spirit. Our brokenness is not to be spiritualized. Our broken is not to be stuffed. Our brokenness is there to be healed. And so as I continued to walk and God was ministering his truth to me, I ran into bike lady again. I'm calling her, I don't know what I'm calling her. She's bike lady to me now, all right? She doesn't need a name. Once again, we're coming this way. She stops again and goes, Chris. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. She's, yeah, she's not all there. I got it. But what she did this time is like that was a divine appointment where God let me 
operate in the truth instead of the lie. And when she said, Chris, this time I looked at her and I said, Chris must be one gorgeous human being. <laughs> and then she rode off. <laughs> and guess what? It was awkward and I didn't care, all right? That's not my identity anymore. <laughs> Guys, so, so when, we, when we're talking about discipleship, um, if your heart is not healed, you can't be discipled. Like so much, guys, what we try to do is we have, we have broken hearts, gaping wounds, the walls of our city, so to speak, are broken down. And what we try to do is get in a classroom and it, it's just, it's not wrong, it's just backwards. It's just backwards. When, um, if, some, if one of your children came up to you and they said, teach me how to throw a baseball, I wanna become a pitcher, but their arm is out of socket at their shoulder and they've got a broken whatever this bone is, that is not the time to teach them, that is the time to heal them. You don't teach someone how to throw when their arm's broken, you heal the arm, then, then they can operate in their calling and their destiny. So as God is waking up the church, here's what we need to do is we need to begin offering our brokenness to Jesus for our healing, not ceremonializing it, not over-spiritualizing it. I'm telling you this morning that today Jesus wants to heal broken promises, broken places in this tent, in your hearts. Um, you don't ignore pain, you press into it. You don't embrace pain like I've done in the past, like a trophy. And when everybody that comes over, you say, look at my pain. And then they feel bad for you. That's called unhealthy. God wants you to be, have a heart that is mended and put back together so you become a display case for his power in your generation. So the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Now look at verse two for a moment, that there's two things that God is doing according to verse two, and that he's building and he's gathering. Now in our context today, we think about things like the new facility going up. God's building. That's not what God meant when he was, when he was inspiring the scriptures. God's, oh, I love being an outcast. I feel like an outcast. Nobody likes me at my school. Well, that's actually not what God meant in context, when he was inspiring the, the scriptures, here's, here's the context of the day. When God says that he builds up Jerusalem, the people in this day, in Psalm 147 day, the people in this context recognize, uh, recognize that he is not just building, but rebuilding what has been broken. He is not just gathering, but he's regathering those who have been alienated. Okay, the context for this is actually 2 Kings chapter 25, verses 9 through 12. And here's what, here's what that says. This is, a, this is a passage of scripture. You know, some, some, this, the Bible wasn't written chronologically. It was written randomly. That's why I like it, all right? I don't think chronological thoughts often. I have to try to do that. Here's, you have to go back to say, okay, when God inspired the psalmist here, what was going on in the, in the day, in the world, and here's what was going on today, in the day, Babylon had just had attacked Jerusalem. And in 2 Kings chapter uh, 20, what is it? Chapter 25, starting with verse 9, here's a little picture of what had happened. It says, he, that is a Nebuchadnezzar, burned the house of the Lord 
and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem and the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to the vine dressers and the plowmen. Now that's just, the, read 2 Kings chapter 25 and you'll get a wonderful picture. That is basically what has happened and that is what the psalmist is referring to. Babylon has come, broken our walls, broken our defenses, hauled people off. We're being, uh, we need to be gathered because we have been stolen. We have been trafficked. We have, we have been taken to Babylon except for the poorest among us that are being used as slaves to pick grapes. Now, it's dehumanizing. It's, it's a mess. And what is, what is happening here is the Babylonians have invaded Jerusalem and not only have the walls fallen down and people have been dehumanized and trafficked, but as a result, their hearts have broken and they've got wounds. You see this? You see that? So when God is talking about building up and gathering, he's referring to the rebuilding of Jerusalem that was invaded and, and broken, but he's talking specifically when you get into verse three that the people who were scattered and prisoned, their hearts are, are broken, they're hurting. When the structures fell, so did hearts. When the treasuries were robbed, so did hopes. When people were dehumanized, wounds were opened in people, not just around people. You know that the things that happen around you have an impact in you. So the need to be rebuilt and the need to be regathered that verse 2 is talking about is a result of being broken and scattered. And then God goes into what he wants to do inside a person when their outside has been wrecked and rocked and messed up. So when, when Psalm 147, 2 and 3 says, the Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcast of Israel, we know what that means in context, then God goes and says, but he heals the brokenhearted. He, he's not interested in walls so much as he is in hearts, you see. He heals the brokenhearted. He's not so much interested in houses as he is binding up wounds in humans. Did you know that? Well, now you do. So when Babylon broke Jerusalem, when Babylon broke Jerusalem and when the people were enslaved and the walls and homes uh, were stolen and burned to the ground, people's hearts broke, people's lives broke, people's futures broke, and God cares about that. Let me say it this way, that when God builds, his primary concern is not walls and structures, his primary concern is, is hearts, lives, and his glory in rebuilding. So I think many of us have rebuilt our houses. Many of us have rebuilt our bank accounts. We're in the process of doing that. Many of us know what it is to rebuild a marriage. Many of us know what it is to reposition in some capacity in life. But not many of us know what it is to actually be healed by God. And that's why we have a discipleship pandemic in the church. Because discipleship in the church, like this is what God is saying but it is easier to adopt a less weird theology. I don't know why healing is weird. We're all broken. Why, why not have God who heals us? 
but, but it's, it scares us even though the Bible says it. So we've, we've adopted a, a spiritual growth that is not close to supernatural when God just wants to invade your life with his heart. You know that the Father's heart is beautiful and he wants to heal the broken places in us. I praise God that he doesn't want to start in a classroom. <laughs> you know, I would much rather be fathered than taught. I would much rather have Holy Spirit surgery than live a life that was out of sync with his. You, you, you do know that, that when you disciple your sons and your daughters, it's not so much you teaching them how to, how to cook by putting them in class. It's teaching them how to cook by letting them follow you. And when they fall down, if you're a good parent and they hurt themselves, you don't shame them for it. You heal them and then move them on. Guys, this is, this is not weird. This is Bible. But what has happened, it, do, you, do you mind? Like, I, I've got, I feel like I've got to keep pressing into this. Is, is, I want to take it a step far, further that, that in good Bible-believing churches, we've actually demonized healing. Churches that don't even believe in demonization, they demonize healing <laughs> conveniently. And then spiritualize brokenness. And then we wonder why we have a discipleship problem. Because if you demonize healing, in other words, say, healing's not for today. And then you spiritualize brokenness, you say, being broken is what makes you spiritual. That is the opposite of the kingdom. Is the opposite of the kingdom. So instead of being delivered and free, we learn to do life with our unbrokenness, embracing unbiblical teachings like time heals all wounds. That's demonic. Time does not heal wounds. <laughs> Jesus does. Are we, we embrace unbiblical, ungodly, <laughs> demonically derived teachings like, I just need some space. Wow. <laughs> Where did you get that? Ben Franklin didn't write the Bible, all right? Um, we have, we've coined all these phrases that came from the American Revolution, not from Jesus, but since Ben Franklin said it, like a penny saved is a penny earned, <laughs> we, we actually think that came from the scriptures, and I just want to encourage you into the Bible, all right? So listen to this. I, I, I wanted to, here's two things that I want to say uh, real quickly, and I, I want to address time heals all wounds. I just need some space because the reality is that God heals. Time does not heal. Distance does not heal. God heals. What time actually does is time rots you. So if you wanted a drink of water, and I put it in one of those nice mason jugs, and I made it really cold, and I put ice in it, you know, and I said, here you go, and then you took it and you put it outside for three months, Let's give this drink of water some time before I drink it. And you put it outside for three months, and then a raccoon's going to be in that, and you know it, all right, carrying all kinds of corona gingivitis on his little fingers, and he's going to be dabbling in that. I put three months later when you come back, you're going to find gingivitis in there, <laughs> manifesting in ame amoeba form, I'm telling you. There's going to be all kinds of things in there, and if you would have drinking the water instead of, instead of now, three months later, you would poison yourself. That time does not heal. Um, Jesus heals. If you give your pain time, what happens is it turns to bitterness. 
and it becomes bitterness inside of you. If, you. if you give your pain time, it destroys you from the inside out. And no wonder the enemy has tossed a time heals all wounds because it sounds like, it sounds biblical, but it's the opposite of what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the emphasis on the pure in heart. Do you know what happens to them? They see God, the Bible says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, delving into, into the pure in heart, what that means is pure here is actually blessed are the, are the hearts that are free of bitterness. They see God. If your heart has bitterness in it, you don't see God in anything. You only see your bitterness. And through that lens... So time rots. Guys, I think one of the best things that you can do here is if you've been giving your pain time, take, take, make this urgency matter, number one, at the top of your list and take that bitter pain to Jesus. He can still handle it three months later. Amen. Still handle that three months later. But listen, here's, so, so time rots. And here's what distance does is distance distorts. Can we look back at the, at, the, at the passage of scripture here, verse three, he heals the brokenhearted, okay? And he binds up their wounds. Have you ever had a gaping wound? You know that expression? Okay, what you have to do with a gaping wound is you actually have to pull it together. You have to sew it together. You have to bind it together. If it stays gaping, you keep bleeding out. It keeps killing you. Like you, you have to take the wound and, and you don't say, you know what, let's give this, this wound some time. Let's give this wound some space. <laughs> yeah, that's what the enemy says because he wants to see you dead. All right? <laughs> that's, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, let's bind the wound. Let's put it back together. Distance distorts things. If you give your pain space, it distorts the truth. Instead of being bound back together, it, 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 it gets increasingly distorted. A wound that is bleeding actually needs proximity. Wow. The wound needs proximity, not distance. So you have to stitch the wound closed. And that's how God heals. Do you know that in the, the book of James, it says, uh, confess your sins one to another? that you may be healed. That's what this is talking about. When you've sinned against somebody and you stay away, that's distancing the pain. When you press in, that's where healing comes. You see, you see, you see. Now, so there's, there's three things that I just wanna toss out in your direction as I'm, as I'm closing uh, this here, this morning. Number one, and I'm just gonna say it this way, that your brokenness needs a better theology, guys. Your brokenness needs a better theology. Um, let, me, let me just say it again. Uh, let your brokenness needs a better theology. Do you remember, I've been reading through the, uh, in my time with Jesus, I've been reading through the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, I came across a story of a lady who is set up, caught in the act of adultery, Suddenly, there's religious people around. How'd they get there? Oh, who knows? What is the setup? That's how. They didn't care about her. They just wanted to see her demise so they could win an argument with Jesus. And so what they do is they take this lady and they actually use the Bible uh, like a weapon. They weaponize Moses' law. 
And the Bible's never, listen, this is bad theology. This is bad, that's, you don't do that. The Bible's not used to be, to be to, it is a sword against enemy lies. It is a sword against demonic strongholds. It is, it is a, a sword that pierces into our own souls. But even Moses' law was not given so we could use it on one another. It was given so we can see the desperate need that we have for Jesus ourselves. We need, in the Old Testament, they would say, this is God's law. We need the Messiah. We, God is, the law speaks of the character of God. And we should say, holy cats. If you're from Hanover, that's what you say. When you get awestruck, holy cats. Have you, you never heard that? Whatever. We say, the law shows us that God is holy and we could never be without him. So the, the sword that the scriptures are divide our soul to the place of our pain and say, Jesus is the balm of Gilead. Jesus is the one that will heal your heart. Forgive all your sins. It's his righteousness that you need. When the law is weaponized, we try hard to be good enough for God. And then we, we love to find people out in this story, in John chapter 8, these Pharisees are actually holding stones that Moses' law said you're allowed to throw at people that have sinned royally. And Jesus shows up on the scene and says, okay, whoever among you has never sinned, toss the rock first. It's interesting, from the oldest to the youngest, you hear stones of offense falling all around. I would love to hear what that sounded like. Love to hear. And then one young guy holding on to it 15 minutes later. <laughs> Can I tell you that, that your stones of offense are anchors keeping you in a certain season? They're anchors. You use stone for anchors. You use stone to, to like, they, they keep you in one spot. At Providence, we actually believe that the winds of the Spirit are blowing in our day. And so what we want to do is hoist sails, and we want to catch the wind, and we want to move into the future and not be anchored to a bad spot. So your stones are anchors. And if, if you are stuck in your life, maybe you're stuck because you haven't dropped your rock, and your brokenness needs a better theology. Well, if I don't hold on to this, then what do I have? Jesus. Is he not enough? How about this? You're broken, this needs a better theology. But God, God, one of the things that, that the healer does, you know one of the names for God is the God who heals. And one of the things that he does is he heals people and then he use, uses the healed to be healers. So God would love to, or the, the enemy would love to keep you holding a stone instead of, you dropping the stone, being healed, and becoming a healer. You wanna hear a story about this? I, um, we're doing a little addition on our house, and uh, it's taken us two years, and I've had to be patient, but finally we got a settlement date on with the bank. And to make a long story short, the settlement lady called me up. We're supposed to meet at nine o'clock on Monday morning, and she called me up and she said, I'm running an hour late. Now, I try not to divorce my Jesus life with my professional life. As a pastor, that's, you know, that don't work, you know? But on my day off, that's Monday, I was kind of feeling like, this is bad business. 
I was so tempted to just to tell her how I felt about I've rearranged my schedule. I've gotten yeah, I, it's just like this this is what you do. Can you not be on time? Man, I could have been right. I don't know. But what I did is God just graced me to say, hey, it's okay. And when she walked in the house, me and Adrian were there. She's about 60 years old, and she walked in the house, and she sat down at the table, noticeably flabbergasted. And the first thing that she said is, I'm so sorry that I am an hour late. My husband died yesterday. Oh! And then she goes and she's crying and crying. We're like, we're like, we reach across the table and grab her. And we realize that Jesus, it's not that he doesn't care about our addition, but he doesn't care about walls going up or coming down as much as he cares about the healing of the nations and people are the nations. So, so this lady, we reach across the table and we grab her and she looks down and she goes, you're a pastor. And she weeps. Now imagine if this pastor decided that, She's an hour late, calling the bank. <laughs> well, but, but it's grace, guys, it's great. If Jesus healed me, why wouldn't I heal? Well, if, if Jesus, I am the last person that should judge somebody else for being late. <laughs> I've been late like twice, all right? And, uh, and it's, it's not, people have grace to me. If I can't extend grace, and what happens is when we receive grace from God, that turns into, uh, that turns into healing salve from God to others. And Adrian and I prayed over this lady, and our, how, our addition is being built. But we, I kept her number. We're staying after her. We blessed her. Do you know that Isaiah 61, 4 says, and we're at 6, 1. Four, six, York Road up here on the hill right now. And Isaiah 6, 1, 4 through 6 is powerful. Here's verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. We've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it again. Who's the they? The they are those who were brought back regathered, rebuilt, had their hearts healed and their wounds bound. They have now turned into rebuilders. That's the day they healed become healers in the kingdom. Here's the last thing, guys. I wanna say this, that we get most hurt usually where we need the most healing. Have you ever had a a gaping wound on your arm? Gingivitis is setting in. And if you if you touch it, ah, so it's a little love tap. It's oh, pain through the body. My daughter Lena had swimmer's ear. And just going over a bump in the car caused her to cry because of just the, the pressure on her ear. Well, the pain is coming because the healing is most needed there, guys. So I would start saying this. You want you want a really practical takeaway from this? It's it's a uh, recognize your pain, call it what it is, dismantle the lies around it, and welcome Jesus right into it. If you want a a practical takeaway, I would say start with your pain. Don't start, if you're in pain and you hate people and your heart is bitter and you can't stand the church and all all these things, don't start with, with taking a Charles Stanley class. Get healed. 
and then let Stanley rock your world. Come on now, right? Uh, like, you, you don't, like, we, we don't know how to be healed, but Jesus is a healer. Here's, I've, I've learned, like, remember when I'm on that walk with, with the, the lady that's obsessed with Chris, <laughs> you know? Like, if, if I, if I didn't, if I didn't welcome Jesus into that moment, and then in his presence, he ministers truth to me, if I just kind of got robotic here, I, I probably, the second time she called me Chris, I, I, I probably would have been done for the week. And here God, God is, he, you know the Bible says, Jesus says in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now he's, I really think that in context, that passage is talking about Jesus is knocking on be, the doors of believers' hearts, Christians' hearts. Behold, I'm standing on your heart's door and I wish you would let me in. We've used it for non-believers all the time and, and, and you know, maybe they're right. I think it's Christians. I think, I think what Jesus is longing for is intimacy with people. He's knocking on heart's doors. He's knocking on his bride's door, his son's door, his daughter's door. The, the people in his kingdom, the people that he paid for, he's knocking on their heart's door and saying, I'm just wondering when you're going to invite me in. You're in the kingdom. Let's deal with stuff still in you that's not of the kingdom. And so this morning, I I think that the best thing that you could do is you could begin to be honest with God and say, inside my heart. In fact, let's just close our eyes for one moment. Let's, let's just ask Jesus to do what he does. Put our hands on our hearts and we say this, God. I just say this for all of us here in this room. Um, we let you in and we give you every key to every room. And, and God, I, maybe some of us cleaned up as you walk in, but many times we have like a safe that we try to keep safe from you. And I just feel like you wanna unlock the safe in our hearts and say, let's start with that. Let's start with what you're trying to keep hidden. Let's start with the brokenness. I'm big enough to heal your brokenness and your woundedness. So God, just right now, God, we just give you some space. Just come, just come. And, and friends and faith, be courageous and begin to name your brokenness to Jesus right now. Just the pains and the wounds and the memories Lord, I, I, I remember that the, the Chris lady calling me Chris, like that stuff was from when I was nine years old. <laughs> and it's still there, God, time didn't heal it. We invite you in right now, we just name it. And we just say, Jesus, you take it. The cross is bigger and the cross is better. And your, your love uh, it envelops us and it erases the lies. So God, we just, we give you our hearts. We bless you this day. But God, I pray, that, that we would be a church with all of our imperfections, God, we'd at least be a church where our hearts are being restored. Our hearts are being restored back to original design, original purpose, to a place where we actually eat with you and fellowship with you and love you and want you and play with you and walk with you and talk with you and know you, Jesus. That's what our hearts were designed for. You placed eternity in our hearts. Our hearts are screaming for intimacy with Jesus again. That's, this is what we tasted in the garden. We want it back. We just want intimacy with Jesus again. Whatever is standing in the way of just walking with you, Jesus, we just give you this morning. We get undignified about it. We get desperate about it. God, let, I just, whatever you need to do inside of us, God, you need to let the tears flow. You need to let, just whatever you need to do, God, just don't let us walk around with stuff that is embittering us and making us more like the world instead of more like Jesus in the kingdom. So God, just touch us. I invite you, God, 
to come heal at this church. As the pastor of this church, I just tell you, I want you to heal people inside, outside, all around. God, we just bless you, praise you, we want you, we thank you that you want us. You've demonstrated your love, you haven't, your, your love is not word deep. You've demonstrated your love for us in this when we were still sinners. Jesus died for the ungodly. And so Lord, I, I just end with this, I, I end praying for people that are here and they, their hearts are being stirred but they're not sons and daughters in the kingdom. I just pray God for faith to spring to life in hearts and that they would receive you in faith. Say God, you are holy, I can't be like you except with your son. I'm a sinner. I renounce my sin for the better promise, Jesus. And I put all my faith and all my hope and all my trust and all my everything in you, on you, and what you did at the cross. And I receive your free gift. I just believe that people are getting saved. So God, touch. We welcome you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.